0: Art can mean different things to different people. For me, it's all about the joy of creating. So if you draw, paint, write, dance, sing, craft, play air guitar, or even sculpt using nothing but mashed potatoes, consider yourself an artist and join the conversation. For the next half hour, meet the artist, learn about their inspiration, and enjoy the beauty of creativity. Welcome to Art Talk with John Cole Artist. Well, hey good evening everyone it's John Cole artist and I want to welcome you to the solo program tonight I thought I would do something a little bit different right Um, this program is all about talking about art it's all it's all about highlighting people's inspirations people's motivations and really the great things that they do and all that is wonderful and I definitely plan to keep doing it Um, but tonight I really wanted to focus in a little bit on what I call the art of camping. You see, recently I decided to take a rather long trip and maybe you've noticed um, on the John Cole Artist page, for the last three weeks, I've had some replays, but I decided to take a very long trip. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because for me, you know, what started off as a very scary event turned out to be probably one of the biggest life-changing events that I've had in quite some time. And I I wanted to focus on that a little bit. So hopefully you'll indulge me and um, you will. And there's Christine Cole. Hey, hey, John R. Cole. It's good to see you, Christine. Thank you very much for um, listening in tonight because I value your feedback and I think that feedback is going to be important to not only improve myself, but improve this show. So thank you. Um, camping, the art of camping, what exactly am I really going to talk about here? Well, I think there's a couple of things I want to talk about. First, I'll tell you a little bit about how the trip went, some of the, um, some of maybe what you would call the stumbling blocks that I ran into, and then really how I approached this whole thing prior to, during, and then of course, after. So what I want to do is I want to show you, um, and this isn't going to be a death pipe PowerPoint or anything like that, but I just want to talk about or talk to a couple pictures before I get into some details. Now, the first thing I wanted to mention is that camping isn't really a new thing for me. It is recently, but it isn't brand new because back in 1986, my sister and I would frequently go camping um and it was something that we would do with our friends we would have a bunch of people go uh we would visit some some places in new york state we'd set up a tent and of course we would just frolic in the woods and do all this really really crazy stuff uh it was an amazing time back then and it was something that always stuck with me now when i joined the coast guard uh in 1984 and this picture was taken 2 years after that you can tell by the shorter haircut and that ball cap which is actually a coast guard hat um during my Coast Guard career, camping fell off the plate for a lot of reasons, right? And I'll talk a little bit about that tonight as well. And the other picture I wanted to show you from way back then was my dad. Now, this picture here, again, from 1986, is the only time I ever remember my father going camping with us. Um, And I remember that very, very well. Um, To be honest with you, it felt a little awkward because nobody wants to go camping. And have their dad hanging around, but he, I really think he enjoyed that. Um, as a World War II veteran, I know he was familiar with um, you know, sleeping in conditions that weren't optimal. I mean, today's service, specifically when you're going through basic training or you're stationed at various units, you tend not to sleep in tents which is cool, right? We don't want to sleep in tents when we're doing our jobs. Uh, I think if you're deployed overseas, perhaps, or if you're on some mission, you're liable to do that. However, generally speaking, we don't do that on a daily basis, right? Um, so I think my father really enjoyed doing this. And uh, and I'm so glad that he did because it really really captured that essence of what camping is all about. And that is getting together with people, having some fun, going on some adventures and things like that. Hey, Tracy. Tracy says, hi. Tracy's my daughter. Matter of fact, she's coming out this weekend with my grandchildren, so I can't wait for them to get here. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's let's talk a little bit about the camping and exactly what my plan was, right? So my idea was, now let me back up a little bit. Back in January, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Sedona for a week. Uh, We went to a retreat out there, which was an amazing experience. Oh, and Michael's there too. Hi, Michael. Michael's my grandson. He's watching. Yeah. Back in January, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Sedona, which is of course a very, very beautiful place. It's a very spiritual place. Um, And on the way home, we arranged our flight for whatever reason, late in the evening. It was like an 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock flight or something like that. So between Sedona and Phoenix was only a two hour drive. So I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we were to stop at the Superstition Mountains because it's about 45 minutes from Phoenix. So we did. And although the desert conditions really aren't for everyone, um, I felt a very strong connection to the Superstition Mountains. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, uh, if you are someone that lives in a mountainous area, you understand that it can be a very uh, inspiring location, right? Because you have these broad vistas, you have these giant mountains, perhaps there's cliffs, perhaps it's grass covered or trees or whatnot. The superstitions themselves is basically a lava rock formation that millions of years ago had pushed up uh, and just kind of stand there and you know, it's like this big spot on the desert where you see this and it's just an amazing thing to see. Well, I felt this connection to that land. There was something really deep about it. Um, I wish I could give you a better word than that, but there was really something special about that. And I told myself that I would go back there someday. And I did, right? So my idea was to take a trip to the superstitions camp there for a few nights, and then, you know, maybe stop and see some other sites on the way back. So here's a picture of what I got to wake up to every day. So this here is from the Lost Dutchman State Park in Apache Junction, Arizona. And the superstitions themselves were considered a piece of property by the Apaches specifically that were kind of off limits. And I think there was a lot of reasons for that, right? I'm not a folklore expert and I certainly don't want to speak on behalf of the native community, but the mountains themselves had a very mystical quality. And maybe that's one of the reasons I was so drawn to them. The other reason, of course, is the legend of the Lost Dutchman. Now the Lost Dutchman State Park is named after that person, Jacob Walsh, who found gold, or how the story goes, as a prospector in the superstitions and hid the gold all the way up until he died where he left clues in the forms of maps and things like that. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of maps pointing to a lot of incorrect places in the superstitions. Now, my understanding from the geology is gold is not something that's necessarily prevalent there. However, gold has been found. So dating all the way back to the time of the Spanish, you know, before this area became part of the United States, uh, my understanding is, based on what I've read, is that the Spanish did a lot of digging there, and they supposedly had a series of mines. And there's a chance that Waltz probably um, tapped into one of the Spanish mines, and that's where he got his gold from. Now, it's never been found. I had no intention of finding it, but it does give the mountains themselves, a certain appeal. So let's talk a little bit about how scary it was for me to take 14 days, uh, five of which I spent at the campsite. The whole idea of breaking away from your wife, breaking away from your community and taking such an enormous drive by yourself with no idea really of where you're going, where you're going to end up, or, you know, how much money is it going to cost? Where am I going to eat? Things like that is, is a very, very, it's a very, very deep fear. And, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with a fear of isolation. I think it has to do with the fear of the unknown, right? You'll see the UFO thing in the back that I picked up at Roswell, right? A fear of the unknown. We don't know what something is. So we tend to shy away from it. And for that six months between January and the time I decided to make that reservation, the thought was in my mind, but the fear kept me from doing it. And doing something as big as this, um, just spontaneously, is a hard thing to step across. So I wanted to go very badly. So what I did to take that step was something that seems pretty simple, yet was a major milestone for me. And that was to make a reservation. Something as simple as that. I went online, it was $25 a night, very inexpensive for a campsite. And I obligated myself to go for five nights in June. And it was that one simple step that really got me motivated even further, right? Because I took a baby step towards facing a fear. And when I did that, that excitement built, right? Right. I was starting to read more books on the superstitions. I was reading more information about the lost Dutchman mine. And then of course, in my mind, I'm replaying that experience I had back in January uh, when I visited and it kept building and building. And the next thing you know, I'm buying camping gear, right? I'm, I'm buying plastic tubs to keep my things in. I'm planning all this stuff in my head of, of what I'm going to do for these five days. Um, the day came, I turned on Ruby, she's my truck, and we headed out. The idea that I was able to overcome that fear and actually get in my truck and start that drive for me was an eye-opener. It was something that inside of me tells me that I can do these things, that I have that power to be able to make those decisions. Now, of course, I talked with my wife about it, and, and she, was, she was good was good to let me go. Actually, not even let me go, right? She encouraged me to go because she knew based on my 36 year Coast Guard career, that I needed an opportunity to reconnect to myself. And that's exactly what happened. Hi, Megan. It's a very good point. The power of one little step. Um, it's, 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 it's amazing what's one small step can do because it's like that Christmas, Movie, what was it? Santa Claus is coming to town. Maybe somebody can can tell me. But you know, put one step in front of the other, and it really gets you moving forward. So that big fear, just leaving the driveway, uh, overcame that, and I got moving. Right. So the question was then, what was I going to do then? Right. This was a twenty six hundred mile drive, and my plan was to do it in five days. Come to find out, I was able to do it in four days because. I found that I was driving a little bit longer, right? You get tired, you sleep. If you're not tired, you just keep going. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Sit someplace and and not do anything, right? And that's not what I wanted. I wanted to experience this trip. So I would drive these distances and kind of make that decision. Um, Do I want to stay at a hotel? Do I want to try to find what's called a dispersed camping site, which basically is a free camping site? A lot of them in the Southwest, not so many on the East Coast, unfortunately. So I ended up sleeping at a couple truck stops. Now, if you've ever slept at a truck stop before, that is an experience. Um, That's probably one of the things that one of the lessons I took away from this. Sleeping at a truck stop works. I mean, nobody's going to come bug you. They're not going to come knocking on your window or anything like that. But they are super loud. That and I found out that my truck is not really great for sleeping in. Yeah. You push that, that passenger seat back and yeah. And yes, so you're, unless you're shaped like a, um, a pretzel or something, they're highly uncomfortable. And like Megan says, a lot of lizards. Yeah. But, but people do it and you can do it. And I did it. Um, I ended up doing it twice. The first time was somewhere in, I want to say it was in Missouri someplace. And then the second time coming back, I slept uh, and actually it was in Nebraska. What was really, really cool is that there was a storm coming in. There was lightning in the distance. It was super, super humid, but then there were also fireflies, which I thought was interesting. So there was lightning bugs with lightning. So I thought that was very coincidental. Now, um, I wanted to show you the trip quickly here. So this is the route I ended up taking. So if you notice in the upper right-hand side, I started off in Drake, Massachusetts. I ended up driving South through Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down to Roswell, New Mexico, because I was ahead of time. So I thought I'd stop in Roswell, right? Home of the famous UFO crash, visited their museum, which was pretty cool. Uh, Then further on down, I ended up going to the Gila cliff dwellings, which is a, a, uh, it's on the national park system. I've always been infatuated with the early Native American cultures, the uh, architecture, which the cliff dwellings were. And this is one of the few in the United States where you can actually walk up there and climb through. Most of them, places like uh, Montezuma's Castle in Arizona, um, and I think probably Mesa Verde, although I haven't been there. You can't go up there and you can't explore, you can't investigate, but you can at the Gila cliff dwellings. Uh, beautiful place. And I ended up sleeping there for free. Uh, They have dispersed camping there. So one of the nights I ended up spending um, under the stars up there and, and, you know, looking at the birds and things like that, it just was an amazing experience. And then of course, from there uh, headed further with my loaded truck, right. That's something that I learned, I think um, from, uh, from a, Uh, equipment perspective, I ended up overpacking. Uh, I ended up bringing uh, 120 bottles of water, which was probably a really good idea since the temperatures were ranging between 90 and 100 in the desert. Um, I ended up bringing a camping stove and food and things like that. I think having too much is probably better than not having enough. But on the other hand, I never ran into a situation where A, I couldn't find a McDonald's to go to the bathroom, or b couldn't find a store where where I could get supplies now Christine here asks a really good question she says what advice would you give someone who is thinking of taking their own adventure but feels paralyzed by their fear well I think and this is something that I learned from this experience and I kind of suggested it before it's it's when you when you when you feel into what it is that you really want to do all right when you feel into that you're going to feel excited on the other And you're going to have that fear that's associated, right? And I know our coach, Allison, refers to that as inspired action. When those feelings happen, I believe it's the universe, God, whatever you want to call whatever, or just yourself if you're an atheist, that inspired action is telling you that that is the right thing for you. For me, the first thing was to, again, take a tiny step. Even if, it's a, even if it's writing down on a piece of paper, right? I want to go to fill in the blank, or I want to do this, or I want to be this, or, or whatever. That, that one tiny step can, can move you a little bit closer because the closer you get to this thing, whatever it is that you want to do, that excitement's going to build. And at some point, this balance, right, is going to tip in the direction of moving forward, right? It can be slow, it could be fast, But the first thing is always to to take one small action to get you moving forward, because we want to move forward, right? Going back is something that us humans can't do. We can't go back in the past. We can't do anything about the past. All we can do is make one step forward, um, even with thoughts, right? Every thought that we have builds upon the previous thought. And it's a matter of just making one small tweak in the way that you think, or taking one small action, And next thing you know, you're going to be moving in the right direction. But you have to be persistent and you have to listen to the universe when the universe is talking to you, because I guarantee you it knows exactly what you need. The um, campsite layouts were pretty straightforward. Notice I have a Coleman grill. That's something that I certainly would recommend. I think the idea of building a fire is great, right? If you want to cook hot dogs and marshmallows, that's awesome. But quite honestly, if you're, actually going to eat. Although if you notice, um, I'm eating cup of noodles. Hmm. Yeah. I wasn't eating that great. However, with these small Coleman stoves, which aren't that expensive, they're small, they're portable, perfect for cooking in the morning. I wanted to talk briefly about the art because this is an art program. Um, some of the most fascinating artwork that I that I have ever seen is always in the form of the Native American petroglyphs or pictograms or things like that. So these were on a hike that I took up the um, what's called the hieroglyphic trail in the Superstition Mountains. And as soon as my machine works here, it's just not doing it. There we go. You'll notice all these amazing carvings, these amazing etchings, where people took rocks and you know, and these are fifteen hundred years old from the Hohokam people that lived in this area at the time. So this is some very, very old artwork. And it's just amazing the motifs because you have this combination of not only things that are recognizable, like the, you know, the rams and the sheep on the left, but also some, some very interesting geometric. Um, and and you know, I, when I use the word alien, I won't represent, or I won't say aliens from space, but some alien designs. So they're basically abstract designs. It's amazing stuff. And here are some more where you actually have some some animals to the left there. um, And of course, some other geometric designs. You have to keep in mind that 1500 years ago, people walked in the same steps I did, except they took the time to do these things um, for us to enjoy 1500 years later. It's just an amazing thing. And there's one here. And there, of course, is me doing a little gold panning. So what did I learn about me? Well, I think the biggest thing that I learned about me was that I still am that same person that I was when I was 10 years old, when I was you know, 15 years old, or I was 20 years old, right? I really haven't changed. I I think, I think what's changed for me realistically is the way I think about things, right? I think the Coast Guard for me was an amazing experience. I learned a lot, but the Coast Guard did have a tendency to kind of funnel me into one way of thought. And I think that when we get caught in that tunnel vision type approach on things, right, things that are done systematically, things that are done. With rules, with regulations, you end up worrying about a lot of things that you probably don't need to worry about. So, what this experience did for me is it really brought me back to that childhood feeling of just having fun. Some of the things I was doing, I'm not sure you folks would want me doing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, taking a trail is one thing, but getting to the end of the trail and thinking to yourself, I'm going to keep going. That's something completely different because that's an adventure because you don't know if anybody's ever done it before. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. Right. When you're climbing over boulders and you're avoiding rattlesnakes, I heard a rattlesnake. I didn't see him, but I certainly heard him unmistakable. Um, And the amount of cuts and bruises that I got. um, I loved every second of it because that was me when I was 10 years old. That was me when I was riding my bike as fast as I could. And I hit that little crappy ramp made out of um, a two by four and a piece of plywood just to go falling on my face. That's who I am because that's where, that's where adventure begins. And that's what life is all about. It's about taking those chances, having fun while you're doing that, riding as fast as you can and blazing a new trail. It was life-changing for me. You know, and I also think from a codependency perspective, which I have suffered with for a very long time, I've been codependent on the Coast Guard for years. I've been codependent on spouses for years. I think that this trip really reminded me that you can be married or you can be part of an organization or you could be part of clubs or, you know, and have a career and yet still be uniquely you. I did this trip on my own. It was just me. You know, for 14 days, I was gone and I was able to do it on my own. And I was able to meet the experiences, meet the challenges, and just be me, which was super, super cool. So 14 days, it was a total of 6,408 miles, which means... The oil change I got on my truck before I left already has to be done again. Of that 14 days, I spent two days in dispersed camping sites, one at White Sands um, near Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico, one at the Gila Cliff Dwellings, like I mentioned before. I spent two nights at a truck stop, talked about those, five nights at the Superstitions, And then five nights I took hotels. Now, if you're asking, why did you take a hotel? Well, it's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, One of the reasons was I needed to shower. Superstitions, State Park had shower facilities, which was awesome, um, but the rest of the time didn't. So I had to, you know, clean myself. Uh, Christine asked, what safety measures did you use? Well, for the truck stops, the truck stops themselves. I always left, I slept on the passenger side, kept the driver's side door locked and the windows up. Um, and of course the keys and my important stuff I left on the other side of the vehicle, because if there was any chance that somebody was going to approach the car, anything important was out of my reach. It was way on the other side of the car. As far as hotels go, those are pretty safe. Camping sites, uh, I didn't worry about that at all. As a matter of fact, everyone I met, and I talked to a whole bunch of people, you know, along the way, everybody everybody I met was kind, friendly, and very, very um, engaging, right? I had some wonderful conversations with folks that I met, which tells me that, you know, when we see bad in the world, what we're seeing, I think, most of the time is the media's interpretation of things to make us afraid. But I think when you get right down to it, there's really not much to fear as long as you, like you suggest safety measures, right? Don't drive 105 on the highway. Don't pick up hitchhikers when there are signs saying, don't pick up, pick up hitchhikers because there's a prison nearby, right? Um, and just be aware. It's situational awareness. Know where you are, know what you're doing and uh, know what's around you. Because if you don't know, um, a rattlesnake will bite you right in the rear end. Trust me, I came close. Megan, did you ever have a moment once you left that you questioned your adventure? No, not once. As soon as I drove out this driveway, um, I was so filled with the joy of looking forward to this experience that I never once questioned what I was doing. Um, And I think, that just tells me that this trip was meant to be. Is there anything else that I want to talk about the art of camping? Some of the things that um, that worked for me, I think the... Driving there, I think, was a really good idea for me because I had the opportunity then to, on the way back, stop at the Grand Canyon. I stopped at Canyonlands, Arches National Park, all these national parks. And I also had a chance to visit Skinwalker Ranch, not the ranch itself, but the entry gate. Things I would do differently. I will admit I probably rushed a little bit to get back home here, but that's because after 14 days, you you do kind of feel a little tired, like you almost need to rest a little bit um i think the, the next time and there will be a next time um i absolutely want to do this trip again um not, maybe not this exact one but there's so much in the us this is an amazing country people america is so filled with incredible places and incredible people that to spend your life at home or to spend your life not exploring that uh it really is a shame it really really is because everywhere i've ever gone It's always been a wonderful experience. And then of course, Christine asked a question here that is definitely worth answering because I went there packed with art supplies. Did you do any art while you were out there? I did one one small watercolor. Now, why? Well, two reasons. Number one, when when you're in an area where there's a lot of hiking opportunities, I, I ended up spending most of my day taking the hikes, taking photographs and just, you know, climbing over, c- you know, I had cactus freaking needles in my leg. I had, uh, you know, I fell on my knee. I thought I cracked my patella for heaven's sake. Um, so there was an awful lot to do in a very short period of time. And I was really enjoying myself with the, with the physical aspects of it. And when I did sit down to to, to do art, which i did i did like i said one small picture the big thing was the climate in the desert not so much the heat but the wind when the sun came up the wind started and when the sun went down the wind died down uh during the day it was so windy that just and i would i would tape my my paper down on on a pallet that i brought and it was so windy it just wasn't working. But yeah, I did one small picture. Uh, It's not the greatest watercolor in the world, um, but I did. So, oh yeah. And the other thing I did find gold. I did find gold for those that were interested, right? You saw that last picture of me and the gold panning stuff. I ended up going up to um, Lynx Creek, which is near Prescott, Arizona. And I had purchased a gold panning kit, went up there and probably for a good seven hours, I sat in the sun and sifted dirt and rocks, and I found three tiny flakes of gold. Which interestingly, and Christine can attest to this, before I went, I said, "All I really want to find are three are, are, are little flakes of gold, and then I would be happy. And wouldn't you know it? That's what I found. So that is, again, a great example of the universe saying, hey, this is what you want. I'm going to go ahead and provide it to you. And it did. Amazing. We are at 30 minutes, which is a shame because I'd love to keep talking about this, but I would really like to keep on my time schedule. Um, ah, Christine has one last question. I think is a good one as well. Where do you want to go on your next adventure? I would like... To go to the Pacific Northwest. Um, for those that don't know, um, I'm a big fan of Bigfoot. Um, I think, I, I think I don't know what Bigfoot is, but I think it's something. And what I would love to do is go up to the Pacific Northwest and do some hiking, uh, or maybe even Northern California. I mean, Bluff Creek was where the original 1964. Uh, Gimlin-Patterson film was filmed, right? So it's Northern California, Oregon, Washington State. But I think that area would be a really, really interesting place to camp, to do some investigating of Bigfoot and just to kind of get that forest experience because now I have that desert experience. I think the forest experience would be a a fascinating thing to see. So thank you for watching tonight. Uh, I know it's a little weird just seeing me on here um, and hopefully you gained a little something from this because art is life as well, or life is art rather. And everything we do has an artistic component. So I hope you guys are inspired to try something new. That's all I ask, try something new. And if you're afraid of something, but you really wanna do it, make one small action in that direction. The next thing you know, that's gonna start to snowball forward and you're gonna be doing that thing that you really desire. So thank you all again for watching tonight, and uh, I'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you so very much for joining me on the Art Talk podcast, where it's my goal to bring artists together to talk about their craft. If you'd like to join me for a conversation, please reach out via email at johncoleartist at gmail.com or by visiting my website at johnrobertcole.com. So until next time, keep crafting, painting, and inspiring others with your creativity. You make more of an impact than you know. See ya.